0: Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained, Christians are encouraged, and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Amen. Thank you, Jessica. The Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding not just the evil, but the good. Aren't you glad? God's not just hounding you, uh, trying to uh, just spy on you. Of course, he can do that, but he is also noting every good thing you do. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Thank you, Jessica, for that reminder. Jeremiah is where we're going to be this morning. Jeremiah, let's begin in chapter 3. Way back there in the Old Testament, one of the great prophets, perhaps really the last prophet that uh, ministered to Judah before uh, the conquest of Babylon, you know, Isaiah ministered at 11 p.m., and of course, in terms of the historical clock, Jeremiah was the last weeping prophet before captivity. I've entitled this morning's message "Compassion's Quest." Compassion's Quest, as you see in the slide behind me, we've been taking some, some just uh, some time this as the year begins to really look at this theme called to care compassion, and how it ought to make a difference in our own hearts and lives and ministry here, uh, reaching uh, higher by stooping lower. And I want to remind you of kind of the theme of this. Uh, Compassion, or biblical compassion, involves more than just our feelings uh, and emotions. It starts with a high view, a regard for the glory of God in Christ. We looked at that in Philippians chapter 2. Who was motivated to leave his heavenly estate, bow down to rescue us in our lowest state, that we might one day enjoy life with him in the eternal state. What a wonderful plan it is. And so that really the the theme or the end of biblical compassion is for us to be reconciled fully. In fact, not just us, but all creation to be reconciled fully uh, to God through Christ. What a day that will be when that uh, glorification of his church is complete and all things are made right. Amen. We look forward to that glorious time. Compassion's quest this morning. What is it that God is seeking from us? This compassionate God. We all know what the word quest means. It means a search or a longing for or a longing search. A God of compassion is on a quest. And what does a God who sees everything and knows everything really need to look for? What is he hunting for? Can you think of anything that God in heaven needs to find? Well, as you're thinking, let's pray together. Father, as we come to this wonderful word given from heaven itself, from the heart and mind of God, I pray that you would teach us more about your compassionate heart through the prophet Jeremiah. And Lord, I pray that we'd be more like you in our own compassion for others Thank you that you love us in spite of us, and may all the glory go to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What is God looking for? Well, I can think of one thing uh, for sure. God is looking for someone. In Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, the Bible says, "...the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the old earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him." The word perfect there would be, be mature, complete, we could just say fully committed, uh, in a right relationship with God. So God this morning, his eyes are scanning this congregation, and he's looking for someone, more than one, whose heart is rightly related to him. God loves it when you are in a right relationship with him. He's looking for that. God in heaven is pursuing that. This verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, don't need to turn there because I want to ask you a question. All right, If I were to place a $50 bill right here, and I'm not going to, I'm fresh out of those. But if I were to place one, and ask you, so how does that verse, that verse you know so well, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro seeking the heart that's perfect, how does that verse end? It may be such a thing that someone here might know. But the the verse ends with a stinging accusation from prophet Hananiah to King Asa of Judah. God is looking and searching for hearts that are fully reliant upon God. But King Asa, your heart is not. You're chasing the Syrians for protection and other nations to protect you from Babylon. And your heart is no longer trusting me fully for protection. You're straying from me. Asa herein, the verse ends, thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Did you know, did you know that when you start a war with God, likely you're starting wars with other people as well. When you're rightly related with God, you tend to have peace in your other relationships. But when you're not in a right relationship with God, it seems like everything else falls apart too. It just follows. You fight with God, you'll find yourself fighting others. Your relationship to God affects your relationship with other people. Compassion's quest is really uh, about God's heart looking for yours, a full devotion to God. So compassion reaches low that it might raise up. It also reaches far. We noted that in the story of Onesimus. Philemon and Paul, it reaches far to bring near. Today we'll see how God is looking for your heart, for your devotion. You know, I have found this to be true in my own life. Adam and Eve found it to be true in their life. Nothing unleashes the bloodhounds of heaven more quickly than when your heart strays from God. Let me say that again. Nothing unleashes the search committee in heaven more quickly than when your heart as a believer takes one step away from God. How close are you to God himself? In fact, when we stray from God, as the first couple did, and as soon as they began to lick their lips from the sweet taste of the forbidden fruit, and they sinned and fell, God said, let's go. Let's go find them ever play hide and seek with a three-year-old? I love to do that with grandchildren, with my own children. You count to 10 or 100 or whatever they ask you to count to, and off they go. (laughs) You can hear them making a noise as they try to hide, perhaps behind the sheer curtains in the living room, their little feet sticking out from under. You know where they are, right? And they're so, so kind of tired from running and there's, as they're puffing, I can, I can remember this with our own daughter. I could see the curtain moving as, <laughs> as she was breathing behind that little sheer curtain. She's trying to hide. I knew where she was. I could see her outline. And I pretended as I walked past her, where are you? Where are you? And I think of that almost in a comical sense when the Lord went looking for the first couple who were hiding behind that thin veil of sin. Adam! Where are you? As if God didn't know where they were. The all-seeing, all-knowing God didn't have to give them a head start like we do. So often we think we're hiding something from God. How foolish of us to think so. What are you hiding behind thinking that God can't see you? J. Adams says, when sin enters, you either confess it, forsake it, and find mercy, or God, I love this phrase, will ferret you out of the forest. I wonder what we're hiding behind. You think you're hiding something from God this morning? Think again the eyes of the Lord, as Jessica reminded, are in every place. How silly like a three-year-old, to pretend that God the Father can't find you hiding behind the tree of lust or greed or pride or selfishness, or maybe the thicker curtain of religion and good works. Oh no, God sees where you are. In loving kindness, Jesus came, my soul, in mercy, to reclaim. You think that God who owns it all and could start over with new people, would have simply wiped us off the map or Adam and Eve and said, I'm starting over, but no. He sends his compassionate search committee, his own heart, and he finds us out, he ferrets us out of the forest. Our text today is about a God who is searching for the love of his people. And Jeremiah 3 says God is getting his pen out, he's dipping it in the inkwell, and he's writing, this is almost in, unimaginable, but he's writing a certificate of divorce for his covenant people. Doesn't God hate divorce? Sure he does. But he's already, by the time we get to our text, he's already divorced Israel, and in 40 more years he's going to divorce Judah. And he tells him about that in chapter 3 and verse 8. And when I saw all the causes whereby slack, backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away a hundred years earlier, he had, and given her a bill of divorce. Yet treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. And It came to pass through the lightness or the casualness of her sin and her whoredoms, that she defiled the land, committed adultery with stones and with stocks or wood, and yet for all her treacherous, treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but faintedly, or faintedly, saith the Lord, kind of half-heartedly, deceitfully. And the Lord said unto me, backsliding Israel, justified herself more than tre- treacherous. Judah, God, in fact, is getting ready to write a bill of divorcement to the people that he considered his covenant, his married people. Why is God so upset that he's going to this ultimate length of saying, I no longer am in a covenant with you anymore? Well, that's really the sense of our... Uh, outlying today in the Word of God. And so notice, please, in Jeremiah chapter 2, if you'll just turn back a page or so. Jeremiah chapter 2, we see God, the compassionate God, first of all, crying uh, for the attention of His people. Jeremiah 2, uh, this ought to strike a chord into all of us who've had uh, memory of the time when we first got married. God recalls that time when He first brought the people in covenant. Of course, started with Abraham, uh, and then on later through uh, the redemption of his people out of Egypt. He says this, chapter 2 of Jeremiah. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Go cry, go cry, go proclaim in their ears, the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Of course, Jerusalem, the main city of uh, Judah, thus saith the Lord, I remember, I remember. <laughs> I can remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, that time where we were espoused to be married, that sweet time when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness, separated, pure unto the Lord, and the firstfruits of his increase, All that devout, all the enemies that would come against him shall offend evil, shall come upon them, saith the Lord. In other words, he says, I was protecting her as a loving suitor should. And I remember those wonderful times. Jeremiah called the great weeping prophet. Did you know that? He was known for his compassion and his tears. In fact, chapter 9, there's a picture of Jeremiah. He's in the courtyard of the temple, and he's crying great fountains of tears as God is really boarding up the temple, abandoning his people, writing that divorce statement said, I've given you so many kings and so many prophets and so many opportunities to know that I love you, but you're turning your back upon me. And so he calls Jeremiah to cry, remember the kindness of of your youth. I remember, God says, when we were first in love. Ah, the sweet memories, and I remember the love of thine espousals. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.